Hi there. Welcome to Founder Sessions, the podcast where we get a real look into the lives of startup founders. In this episode, I have an amazing chat with Regine, founder of the company Polybox, about what started her on the journey to being a founder during her upbringing and how she's continuing to develop new skills and understanding her business today. I'm really proud of this episode and I think it's got lots of interesting bits of insight from Regine. Quickly, before the episode, I'd like to shout out Northstar Ventures. It's a VC firm investing in innovative solutions to help solve the most pressing societal issues we have today. They're a pre-Series A investor, sub £1 million, and focus on building long-term relationships with their portfolio clients to see them through to their exit. Please give us a follow on whatever platform you're using to listen to this on. Really helps me out. Thanks very much, and enjoy. So, Rajin, how are you doing? Good, good. Nice meeting you after a while, a little bit. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. Man, so how is Polybox doing? And actually, what does Polybox do? Because I think we should probably explain it a little bit. Yeah. So, Polybox eliminates physical receipts with digital and gives dynamic reports based on machine learning and hopefully in future AI. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, those that big words. That was a words. good elevator pitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so the whole idea came from the time that I was working in a local shop in Newcastle City Centre and I realised mm. that the whole receipt thing is ridiculous and like we yeah. are printing tons of receipts every day for no reason and we need it at the same time. So that's where the whole research came out and we've been doing it since then. The research? Yeah. What part was that? So when I started, so the whole thing started when I was in my my master's year when I was studying at Newcastle. Oh, I see. So I, w- I had a part-time job in a local shop and then I figured this thing out that like these receipts are weird and then the whole like getting the information of the person there to <laughs> send them as an email is so weird. So we started research and then we figured like there are 11 billion receipts printed every year in the UK yeah. and it's just retail receipts and not the tax receipts. Yeah, yeah. And then it cost 32 million pounds which is a lot. That's for crazy. The, yeah, the paper. exactly. And they are not recyclable. Mm. They have chemicals in them. They are harmful for the human body. So if you're working in a retail and you're using receipts every day, mm. it doesn't make any sense. And the alternatives in the past few years, although they were really nice, it doesn't work that well. Yeah. So that's where we started the research. And then we started the interviews with managers with 25 shops in the UK, yeah, uh, big retailers, and that's how it started, technically. Oh, wow, and that was all part of your master's? Yeah, so this was parallel with my master's. Uh, my dissertation was on something completely different. I studied business, but... Oh, God, that sounds like so much to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I think about it, it looks big, but I don't know. Uh, but, like, I my master's was mostly based on... Um, human analysis and how okay. you work as a mentality, as a group, as a team in a in a organization. And during that time, COVID hit. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so, like, we started analyzing the depression oh, in really? yeah in uh, staff in NHS, and most of the people that we interviewed was that. So that's something else. But I was yeah. doing these two together technically. So, what was the analysis of the depression part, uh, what, what did you find in that case? So most of the time we don't realize, because I'm an international, I come from another country, and so, so many times we don't realize people who are from other countries or people who are not that 
let's say, extrovert. They are not really happy to spend time with other people and that makes them to live in a small bubble even if they are working with group of people. Yeah. And the language barrier, the cultural barrier and everything. So that's why uh, we did this. So I, I did my dissertation based on, we interviewed so many 15, 20 people that they were in NHS and we see like how the pressure of work, the lack of communication, mm. the language barriers is making them feel, feel isolated in, in their job. Wow. So, yeah. And so I guess listening to that, it makes me wonder why Polybox? Why did you focus on receipts? So it's, it's interesting because like anybody asked me like why you are doing this, I'm saying yeah. it, I like problem solving. It's not really about what's going on. I can't just not see the problems sure. and I can't say like, yeah, it's, let's deal with it. That frustration makes me to start doing something for it. Yeah. And that's something that I've been doing. And it's like, you know, during Ignite, we were talking about this fact that um, what if it doesn't work? What if we have to pivot? What if we have to like exit? But yeah. I think it doesn't really matter as long as we're solving another problem. So mm. that problem solving thing was a nice thing for me. I see. So then if there's, I mean, there's problems everywhere. Yeah. You must like see them all the time and it must aggravate you. And I guess like how did receipts end up being the unlucky problem that you saw and decided <laughs> I will destroy you as a problem? So for me, one thing that was very frustrating was that because I was from another country and I couldn't write and spell the names right here oh, and it okay. was very hard for me to hear people even with the accent and everything. Yeah. That made the frustration even, it became a personal problem <laughs> with the resistance. Like, so anytime that I was at the till and somebody was asking me, um, can you email that? I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> like, and imagine like simple names, like your name, for example, Alex, they were telling me to spell it. And I was like, can you spell that for me? And I was feeling embarrassed <laughs> in the middle of everything. And I was like, the whole receipt thing doesn't make any sense. But again, yeah. this doesn't make any sense either. So that's mm. why it became more personal. That's interesting because that's quite a fresh perspective as well. <laughs> mm. So what about your upbringing? Like, how did you become this person that loves to solve problems in your own mind? Oh, uh, so I think it started from when I was in my high school years. So it was a national... Robocop challenge test that yeah. uh, it was a national test that you had you could take if you want to and then you would start becoming a programmer and they were training you for Robocop competitions nationally and internationally mm. and I was like okay let's go like it was the first <laughs> Wait, year what's Robocop ah oh wow so Robocop <laughs> is an international um, game let's say competition okay. competition that happens in the world I don't think it's that hot anymore than it was like 10, 12 years ago. But it was a thing back then that Robocop, yeah. it means, for example, you're building a robot yeah. that is a nurse robot, for example, or yeah. it's a football robot, mm -hmm. for example. And then you're building a software for that. Yes. And that goes with competition with other uh, football robots from other team oh what yeah, it's wait so do they give you the robot or you have to make the robot so that that's the thing so that uh, test was like they were picking people for software and hardware mm. so people who were in the robotique let's say they were yeah. making the robots we were writing the software for that oh okay 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we took the test. I was so disappointed and so bored during the test that I gave my test early. It was like 30 questions. I think. It was mostly like analysis based questions. Mm. And then after I think a month or so, they put the names on the wall of the school and I didn't even go and check it. And then everybody says like, congrats. I'm like, what? They say like, yeah, you got it. So that's how I learned how to program. And I think my mindset changed completely because when you start programming with very like uh, weird languages <laughs> from the mm. beginning, it, that's how your mindset will change. And that's how I wow. ended up. And how old were you at that point? Oh my God, it feels, I feel very old right now. 14, 15? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a really nice story as well. It, it felt more stressful than it feels nice now, but mm. yeah, it feels and it feels like a lifetime ago. Like I have to really think back. But yeah. Yeah. And so then, did you keep that going? Is that then? Did that? Do you feel like that was a branching point in your life slash career towards software and robotics? Yeah, I think if that wouldn't happen, I would become like a architect or something because oh, really? I liked that as well, and I wasn't going to classes for that, but. Mm. Uh, so that went all my um, uh, all my high school years. So like I did that for four years, three yeah. and a half years technically. And then after that, we needed sponsorship, and there was very like weird situations. And some of my our friends moved to another city. So mm. that group technically like cancelled themselves. Like we said, like we can't do this anymore. Mm. But after that, in last year of high school, I decided, okay, I'm gonna study IT and. My dad really encouraged me to do that. He was like, if you like this, you have to do this. This is the future. Mm. So that's why like, I studied IT in my undergrad. Wow, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so then what? You know, you study IT in your undergrad and then end up doing a master's in Newcastle? Or was there stuff in the, in the middle there? Yeah, tons happened in the middle. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there might be. <laughs> yeah, so when I started uh, my undergrad, my dad, um, my dad is a manager. Sorry. Sorry. My dad is a manager in an IT company and mm. he said like, okay, if you want to learn, you can come and work with me part time. Mm. So I started working whilst I was <laughs> during my undergrad year and then it became full time working and full time student. So, oh, wow. and then we started a startup back home. Mm -hmm. So that was a startup that there wasn't any, let's say benefits for students and student discounts back home. And we saw that, okay, it makes sense we can start something like this mm. and we started that we had so many competitions we brought so many people but because of the situation back home we couldn't go on with it especially yeah. because we had girls in the team and it wasn't like the, that the government and the society couldn't accept it then which i'm happy that i see it's not like that anymore but we're talking about like eight years ago mm -hmm. and so after that i was working in this uh, in the it's a, it was a SaaS company. We were making ERP CRM systems, and yeah. I was in a backend development. Where were you in the world at this point? Sorry, uh, I was in Iran. So Iran. I'm an in originally in Iran. I lived in Tehran, yeah. and it was in Tehran then. Okay. So yeah, and so I started working there. I worked there for five years, and I became a project manager at the end of it. And mm -hmm. then I have family here. That's why Newcastle. <laughs> like, yeah. not so. My dad said. What do you think about going and having your master's in another country? And I was like, okay, so, and he said that, okay, so your aunt is in Newcastle, so Newcastle, that's it. So it was like, I applied just for Newcastle University. Yeah. And because I saw so many 
So people that they were working in a software and development bit couldn't understand people who were in the business bit. Yeah. That conversation was the hardest conversation we had back mm. when we were working. And I realized I need to know more about business. That's why I chose my master's for a business. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you could form the bridge, I guess, between those exactly. two different mindsets. Exactly. And I'm getting a vibe that you like to have two massive things on the go at once <laughs> at all times in your life. Is this something that you always did? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's very interesting because uh, Nick, uh, my co-founder, was yeah. always saying that like, you either are doing like five things together or you're not doing anything. So yeah. when I'm like very busy, I do things better. That's why I keep myself very busy. <laughs> <laughs> and were you always like that when you were a child? Like, did that kickstart at any point or did you always feel like you had to be busy? Yeah, so it started from all those extra classes and extra physics. And I don't know what was the thing. Like <laughs> when I was in my middle school, there was a thing that all the children had to go to this um, math and physics classes in the weekends. Mm. So I don't really remember a weekend that I was home since I was like 10. Oh, yeah. On the weekends. Yeah, it was like it was like an after school classes, but it was in the weekend technically. Yeah. So I had to get up like seven in the morning, go oh. there, have like very hard like IQ tests and math tests and I think that made it like unconsciously made it like I have to do something all the time next to the stuff that I do so I always been like going to uh, English class whilst I was going to school whilst I was going to yeah. uh, IQ classes and things like that so yeah I think that was the lifestyle that my parents chose for me <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting that your parents chose for you yeah. do your siblings experience a different lifestyle or is that actually my brother had so we're two my mm. brother is like six years younger than me but he was the same even he was a little bit worse because like <laughs> they say okay Rojin went to a public school let's put Artin in a private school mm. and take him to outside classes <laughs> you yeah, it sound like they're experimenting like you know oh, we've tried x with this one we'll try y with this one exactly but I really liked it because we were always learning about things that we didn't know. So yeah. now that I look back, yeah, I hated it that I was that I had to get up six in the morning every <laughs> single day for the past 20 years of my life. But after that, I think it made sense. Yeah. And it's clearly working for you because I think having that many things on the go to some people is a massive stressor and yeah. it kind of means that they don't end up doing any of it to a high standard. But I do often think that you are amazing at juggling these things and doing them all at a high Thank standard. Thank you, you're very kind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive and it's not something everyone can do. I, I really don't know because I don't have any other experience. So even though if I'm just doing something, mm. one thing, for example, I try to make something else, like a, learn a new language, do something else. Like, I have to do this other than that. Like, and I do it on, I, I don't do it on purpose. It just happens. Yeah. I just realized like I'm picking up so many things again. <laughs> <laughs> What's your current thing that you're picking up? Oh, so, um, I'm going to some philosophy classes, oh. aside from everything that I'm doing, philosophy and leadership classes, because I really feel like one of the biggest problems we have right now is the lack of communication in organizations. And when the, when the 
uh, company gets bigger and bigger, you get more separate from the people that they are in your team. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like now that we are only like two or three people, it's good for me to know exactly how to do that. So I'm, I'm looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is that something you've experienced in Polybox? Is that need for being the leader and not necessarily feeling comfortable? Yeah. So like we had an intern uh, a couple of months ago and I really realized that the lack of communication and the fact that I don't know how to explain some things and mm. I think that, okay, they will get it, made me feel like this is the problem I have. It's not their problem because yeah. they are in their undergrad years. They yeah. don't know what's happening in real life. They mm. are just experimenting and I don't want to be the bad experience of a company for them. Yeah. So like, you know, because I will be their first job that the manager <laughs> yeah. would never know what's happening. So yeah. after realizing that, I started talking with them and realized like, what do you really need? And after that, I think I figured like, I really need to improve that bit because yeah. sooner rather than later, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's funny. People don't often talk about the stress of being the first employer of someone because you don't want to be the person that immediately turns them off from software companies or startups forever. Exactly. But it's also tough because undergrads really need the boundaries, don't they? Like they need to be told what to do when. Exactly. Um, and that's hard because if you're not in that leadership habit, then it, you feel like you're being a bit of an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, because it's really interesting because I was like, yeah, there are interns. There's a specific thing that we we're asking them to do. But the fact that I had to remind them every day, this is the task. How do you feel today? Mm. Do you want to do this? Is there anything you don't know? Because they weren't asking. And that was so weird for me because I was asking so many things. Mm -hmm. like every time that I was in a meeting and I always thought like everybody's like me because like yeah. you don't have any other experience and that's why I realized no people don't ask when mm. you don't ask them what are you doing today they won't do anything or they don't do things yeah. when they don't know it massively and it's so tempting when you're in startup to believe that you can do it different and you're going to be the cool manager <laughs> that, that you've never had before and then you start to realize there's a reason why people are doing it this way for so many years exactly and actually that was a conversation that we had a couple of months ago with one of the coaches that um all these big companies were startups at the beginning yeah. there were few people what happened that the culture is that weird yeah. Because there is a point that you won't realize it. You have so many things to do. You don't realize you're not a good leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the most important things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's a lot of intrinsic value to being a good leader as well. Like knowing yourself and feeling confident that you can tell someone what to do without being horrible to them and valuing them and understanding all these things. It requires a lot of empathy, I think. Exactly. And the fact that you have to first deal with yourself, yeah. fix yourself <laughs> first. <laughs> That's been hard a little bit. Yeah. So you have to fix yourself first and then go to other people say, yeah, do this. Mm. Because if you're not doing it, they were like, it will be the same problem that we all had yeah. at some point with our managers that you're not doing what you're telling me to do. You yeah. tell me come 7.30 in the morning, 8 in the morning to the office, you're here at 10. Why <laughs> should I come? You know? So they don't see, yes, it's a 10, 15 years experience behind that. But mm. when you see that you won't feel good about it mm. you know what's the toughest home truth then it, you talk about fixing yourself but what do you think is like the kind of the part of that that you found the toughest ah oh, so 
the fact that you have to go back, I had to go back mm -hmm. to my childhood, to the way that I grew up, the culture, the family, everything, and look at it and I was like, okay, that's why this doesn't make sense. Mm. That's why I can't talk with people. Yeah. That's why I'm angry sometimes. And looking at yourself, in that way, in a critical way, and not like, oh, poor me, but like, okay, you have to keep your shit together now. <laughs> <laughs> type of thing. That was the hardest bit. Wow. And so if you picked up philosophy, do you think that's a kind of byproduct then of the whole leadership quest? Um, I think philosophy, it really depends how you look at it, because mm. I had this back and forth that why should I really know what's happening? And why should I really study philosophy? But I realized when we study philosophy in a, let's say, we just read a book, we say, yeah. okay, that's there, that's the theory, yeah. we're gonna follow that. But bringing philosophy in your life, mm. man, that's hard. <laughs> like, honestly, now I realize why, like, so many very important, huge people, like, committed suicide at the end. Because, yeah. like, looking at that in a point that, okay, <clears throat> We know that happens in theory, but mm. try to do it in your daily life. And oh, yeah. The energy it takes. Yeah. So I think that bit of the philosophy is very interesting for me. And mm. when you look at it, it's like a base of your life, which I'm very sad we don't look at it like that because it's a very trendy thing to know philosophy and most of the people like they say like when you're studying philosophy you have to become like an activist or like yeah become someone important but no it's just like it's our lives yeah i remember a few years ago i read the quote that uh, how you do anything is how you do everything yeah exactly Classic. it's just it should be stapled on every wall kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. and it doesn't mean anything to you until you really start to feel doubt about exactly. who you are exactly <laughs> it's like when you're at the weakest moment you, you get that gut punch of reading that quote and you go oh no i have exactly. no integrity <laughs> exactly that's the hardest bit so would you say that's been a bit of a journey this year yeah. for you yeah so many things changed yeah in a good way but that is good the changing everything is interesting i think mm. if we don't do it now when we're gonna do it yeah exactly and i think that's the value sometimes of startup is knowing that you're early in this process and that sometimes you do have to stop in order to work on something and sharpen the axe so you can kind of in the future chop the tree down <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's really cool so in the next decade where do you see regime going then oh i have no idea because 10 years ago, I had no idea I'm going to be here. And yeah. when I think about it, I'm like, okay, all this planning we do for future, let's just calm down and yeah. not think too much about it. But I don't think I will be a person with a full-time job, mm. let per se, you know, and just being somewhere that my voice can't be heard, like ideas yeah. in a company. So whatever I'm going to do, I don't know if I'm going to have a company or if I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> but whatever I'm going to do, I'm not going to be somewhere that they don't value ideas. Mm. Are you a planner? Do you like to have a plan in front of you? Um, if you were asking me that like four years ago, I would like, yeah, I know exactly where I'm going to be five yeah. years from now. But... I know it's a very cliche thing to say in the past two years, but after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> after COVID, I've got my podcast. And exactly. I have my 10 cats. <laughs> exactly. But after COVID, what happened was that the meaning of life really changed in so many ways for so many of us. Yeah. And the fact that you don't know 
And the fact that you can think that I don't need a plan. I just need to have a mindset and that mindset mm-hmm. will bring me the plan. Yeah. So right now I really don't mind anymore. Yeah. And I'm not like a long-term plan writer. I, I don't even know what gonna, I'm gonna do a week from now. I just know what thi- what should be done for the business, what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go through that because that makes me be more agile, let's say. Yeah. Get things done better even. Mm, I really like that. What about Polybox as a company? Where do you see that going? Um, so it's really interesting because in the past few weeks we were talking before that it was just about like the sustainability aspect of it the like easing life aspect of it but mm. in the past few weeks that we've been working on the machine learning um, algorithm we realized it can become like a data-driven company yeah. that if it doesn't work if so many things don't work at least we know the value of data and mm. I think polybox can become a data-driven, um, let's say, company that can live a little bit longer than it <laughs> So, yeah, I'm hopeful, but I really think the data will be the important factor of Polybox. Okay, what kind of things do you think you could get out of uh, this kind of data, receipt data? It's really interesting because uh, we were talking with few um, psychologists okay. that they were saying even the habit of people shopping can affect their mental health. Yeah. And if you see the way that they do that in their life, if you see the pattern, you realize that when they are so depressed, when they are sad, they will spend more. They go out more. Yeah. They eat unhealthy food more. So yeah. I have no idea what can happen. But I really think that it's not just let's make them spend more money. Yeah. It's not just the marketing bit of it because I don't have a great experience about marketing. Oh, you bought this in blue. Let's buy and let's come and buy this in red as well. <laughs> you know. So, I really think that part of it, the human part of it is very important. I think that's important. Bit. Yeah, that's fascinating. Retail therapy is a very real thing. Exactly. Very real. I can definitely see it that in my housemates and my family and yeah. sometimes when you're down and you just see that watch that you really want to buy and you've been <laughs> thinking about it for a couple of days. Exactly. Interesting. So maybe it could become a, a data company that, that informs other people about uh, purchasing trends. Yeah. And so the machine learning piece, would that be a predictive element or... The reason that we started the machine learning bit was because we wanted to bring the accuracy to the data analysis bit. Because Mm. right now we don't have that in a sense that we really need it. But I think, I really believe that we're not just saying machine learning because it's cool. I think we need machine learning because this is something that cannot be done if we don't use this type of technology per se and uh, i think that's the most important bit i hope we can become we can get somewhere that we don't need to do manual job anymore because that's very sad when when i see so many people in finance because i've been working with financial departments for years i see so many people in finance i see so many people that they are doing jobs that it's sad it takes the creativity away yeah and i don't say everybody needs to be creative in their work life but they need to be creative in their own life yeah this is the architect speaking (laughs) so i really think that we are just not allowing them to be creative because they are doing a mundane manual everyday same thing job Mm. and that bit is important that's why we want to make the accuracy 
as high as possible. Yeah. So we can take out so many manual jobs that is happening in so 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 many places. Mm. What would you say drives you to make Polybox a success? Is there a version of the future that you see that motivates you every day? I think two factors in my personal life and the experience that I had made me to feel like it's a right track that we are going. Mm. First of all, that these days with direct debits, credit cards, online shopping, we really don't know how much we're spending. Oh yeah. You know, especially like direct debit. When I came here, I was like, okay, so you mean they take money out of my account every month without me knowing it, without <laughs> me like paying it. So I think first of all, we don't know how much we spend. Mm -hmm. And that's a tactic that we don't know how much we spend. Yeah. And the fact that you have a control on your personal life is really important. And I think that is a big factor for me that I want people to know what they're doing in their lives and they can make decisions based on that. Mm. First of all, that second of all, we've been talking about sustainability in a very like fashion way in the past few years, but yeah. really printing receipts, it doesn't make any sense anymore. We have we have electric cars now. Like why we're still doing that. So that for me feels like because we just got used to it and we don't see it, it's a very hidden problem. Yeah. I really don't want to see long receipts that have oil and gas chemicals in it mm. anymore. So these two factors are very, very important for me and the manual job that we do. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that really rings true with yeah. me, 100%. I think when Apple announced their buy now, pay later scheme through Apple Pay, that for me felt a bit of disaster. Yeah. Because you're right, people don't know how much they're spending. Exactly. And you know, like you get your phone on a deal, so you pay a specific amount. And then you say, okay, it's like 40 pounds per month, 50 pounds per month. Mm. And then you have your energy bill, your whatever that is happening in this world right now and then you say okay i got my phone let's get another like digital watch yeah smart watch and then you spend that much money on it and then yeah. it's like okay it's 10 pounds more per month yeah. but at the end of the day you're spending like 400 pounds and you don't see it because it's all like small money is getting out of your account yeah i've heard people describe it as like um inflation in consumerism where you just expect to be able to buy more and more. Exactly. And even though wages aren't increasing with that, it's just a, an inflation of expectation. Exactly. And that's kind of scary to me because then that's money that doesn't really exist for anyone. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that to go like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the dream utopia that we're all painting. <laughs> exactly. No, but it makes sense. I think it's important to have people believing that that's true and fighting for a different future. Exactly. But you've got some massive finance competitors to be out. Yeah, like anytime we talk with any uh, investor, angel investor, any type of investor, they say like, so what about the huge financial companies? And I'm like, we are not here to say we are your competitor. That's why we change the business model. We say, okay, we have API. You don't yeah. need to change your software. You just need to use it. So we make it as if like, we are not your enemy. We just want to work with you. Yeah. Because we know we can't compete with them. And mm -hmm. it's not like, yeah, we can do anything in our lives. Let's be realistic. Like we can't go with competition with like huge financial companies. So we, we, are, we hope we can be parallel with them. We can be a better choice to make them improve as well in the whole financial cycle. Mm. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think that's everything that I wanted to ask you, and I hope that you've had a good time chatting. It was really nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was stressed a little bit before, like how I'm gonna answer, but like it was a very cool, friendly. No, don't worry. I hope that this podcast is more of a platform for people to just um, brag about how successful they've become. <laughs> 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 that's what I'd like it to be because yeah. I think everyone that comes on this podcast is amazing and oh thank you so thank you very much for chatting with me thank you for inviting us thank you for listening to Founder Sessions there's going to be another episode next week and I hope you'll come back to listen share the podcast with your friends if you enjoyed it and if you didn't enjoy it then maybe share it with your enemies thanks and bye <laughs> <laughs>